If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat up old running shoes, Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now, go. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Radio Times podcast with me, Jane Garvey, and friend of the stars and top TV critic, Rihanna <laughs> Dillon, is with me too. What have we got this week, Rihanna? Well, everyone is already talking about the thief, his wife and the canoe. Well, you, you're not talking about it, at least not with enthusiasm, <laughs> but we'll get on to that in a minute. And 10%, which is the British reimagining of Call My Agent, the mm-hmm. French Netflix show. And we've also got Miriam Margulies, who I sort of feel is, is quite a divisive character but the show is great fun you to watch you think miriam's divisive i do actually does anyone not like her i've heard a few all right uh yeah she is the star of an edition of imagine that's alan yentob's very special late night bbc <laughs> art show uh and the miriam show is called miriam margley's up for grabs and we'll sink our gnashes into that a little bit later uh, plus we're going to be talking to parminda nagra now you'll know her as jess in bend it like beckham and of course as dr neela in er uh, she is the star of a new ITV drama. It's called D.I. Ray. It's written by Maya Sondi of Line of Duty fame. And here's a, a quick clip of Parminda. I think I underestimated how much work it would successfully be in the lead of this show because I was practically nearly in every single scene. But to be given that responsibility and for Jed to kind of go, I think, in, you know, in that meeting, I remember he was just like, I think you would be a good head of department, which I was like, oh, that's... Now you've kind of like made me think I've got this huge, which I, I guess I do in some ways, I'm having this responsibility, but talk, no one talks about it in that way. She's the star of a new ITV drama, D.I. Ray, that's written by Maya Sondi of Line of Duty fame. And now we normally reserve the fanfare for the quiz of the week in the Radio <laughs> Times podcast, but we maybe could, could we drag it out early this week? Because we've got an important announcement to make. So can I have the appropriate fanfare? Thank you. Pin your ears back, because this is important. No, really, can you pay attention, please? Sorry, this is, it's hilarious. Thank you. Well, I try. Yeah, don't worry, we probably won't use it later uh, for the quiz, because it's been out now and it's tired. He's already packing it away. He's gone, he's on the bus. Uh, The biggest TV festival in the UK is back. The BFI and Radio Times Television Festival returns to London's South Bank this year from the 20th to the 22nd of May. There are over 20 events, and I've got to say, I've seen the lineup. there's some good stuff here. Uh, They all celebrate TV's biggest shows and brightest stars. Uh, There'll be a world premiere of David Attenborough's new dinosaur epic 
prehistoric planet. There'll be a panel with Ruth Wilson from the BBC's adaptation of His Dark Materials and Dame Mary Berry will be inducted into the Radio Times Hall of Fame. Plus, and this will be the highlight of the festival, the Radio Times podcast will be live at the event on Sunday the 22nd of May. Uh, Rihanna and I will take to the stage for a live recording of the podcast and it would be fantastic if you could be there for that. Head to bfi.org.uk forward slash TV fest. Tickets for the festival go on sale tomorrow. That's the 28th of April at 11.30am. I expect everyone to be by their phones, by their laptops, just waiting for those tickets to go on sale. Well, it's the Glasto of TV festivals, it really is. So we're the headliners. And we are very much. So get David Attenborough and Mary Berry. Yeah, absolutely, we are headlining this and I will have a Winnebago. Uh, bfi.org.uk slash tvfest and the date you need, Thursday the 28th of April at 11.30am. It seems almost humdrum now to turn to what I think <laughs> is, one of, is, one, yes, is one of the best dramas I've seen in a long time, but it seems my little friend here isn't necessarily in agreement. It's uh, The Thief, His Wife and the Canoe. It's available on the ITV hub. Uh, Rihanna, what is this about? We'll have a clip in a sec, but in case anybody doesn't know, what's the setup here? My little friend, honestly. <laughs> The Thief, His Wife and the Canoe is the true story, which I did remember, actually, of um, Darwin, John and Anne Darwin. Yeah. Um, John was on the edge of bankruptcy yes. and he had about 12 houses that he was using to rent. But he decided to, instead of filing for bankruptcy, he would fake his own death. Yes. And claim the life insurance money. It's an insurance scam. Yeah. Exactly. So it's about fraud. White collar crime, as he calls it. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what it's called. Um, And I thought, I remember thinking at the time that this was one of the more astounding stories I'd ever heard. I think this is probably living proof that truth is usually stranger than fiction. Exactly. Monica Dolan and Eddie Marsden star. The Darwins are from the northeast. They are. Of the UK. There's been a few... There's been a few... About the accents. Moanings about the accent, which yeah. is absolutely fair enough, I think. Although, as a softy southerner, I am not very good at differentiating I think what's good and what's bad. If I could be really critical, um, I, I'm not sure either about the northeast of England, and I think you do have to be careful to judge it if you don't know. I think they've gone a bit Newcastle and it isn't yes. set in Newcastle. Uh, well, I, yeah, I assumed it. they were originally from Newcastle because it sounded very Geordie to me. Right, OK. Well, that's definitely what they've gone for. It is the northeast. It's not... Anyway, never mind. We can get really bogged down here and neither of us are experts. Let's have a clip from The Thief, His Wife and the Canoe. All I ever wanted was a simple life. I'm going to fake my death. What could be simpler? I begged him to turn himself in. Where have you decided to live when it's all calmed down? Next bloody door! Genius! Hopes are fading in the search for John Darwin. We should never give up hope, should we, Mum? He'll be absolutely fine. Full English, please. It was all going to his plan. You want me to exploit people's genuine sympathy for your benefit? Well, obviously, don't put it like that. Yes. What could possibly go wrong? What the... What could possibly go wrong when your husband turns to you and says, the thing is, I just want to fake my own death. We'll use that flipping canoe I've had for donkey's ears and haven't really utilised very much. And it'll be fine. We'll get all the money. Our financial problems will be cleared in an instant. What could go wrong? (laughs) It's so 
unbelievably stupid. You see, I loved this drama because I thought it was funny. I thought the script was great. Mm -hmm. I thought it was quite stylish in a dingy and very depressing mm. sort of a way. Yes. I loved it. A bit like Landscapers was. Yes, it's got that dark kind of setting. It's mm. got the terrible, at times quite terrible wallpaper and a, an all sort of all-encompassing, all-enveloping grey coming mm. in from the sea the whole time. I mean, it's probably not the greatest um, tourist uh, <laughs> incentive to visit Seton Carew, which is actually where the couple live. Um, but you, I mean, what was it you didn't like about it? Because I thought the performances were incredible. I, th I love Monica Dolan anyway. I do. She's she's in a film called The Days of Bagnold Summer, which yes. is just about, I think, is being released on special DVD edition of it this week or something. Is so, it? Because I recommend that. That's I about, would check it out. Yeah, a relationship between a mother and a son, yes. isn't it? Yeah, it's a film. really lovely film. Mm. And yeah, no, Monica Dolan is great. And yeah. she, but she's, she does often play these very put upon women. I was going to say, I'd love to see her in a absolutely pulsating yes. rom-com. <laughs> Come on, Monica, get your agent on it. I was thinking exactly the same thing. I just felt a bit, she's, she's always forced to play incredibly dowdy. And worse, I mean, she's played Rose West. Oh, gosh, yeah, that's true. I didn't quite get the balance between whether this was supposed to be a really quite nasty, dark drama about coercive control, mm. which it definitely it is. is and yeah. has really strong elements of, but also if it was a wacky comedy about a man living next door to where he used to live where his family is and officially the walls. dead officially yes. dead I mean it, you know the performance of Gary Oldman in Slow Horses where yeah. you feel like you can almost smell yes. Gary Oldman I felt that about John Darwin in <laughs> yeah. this that he's just got that the whiff of, of crimpoline about him and he's a deeply bullying nasty repulsive man. domestic tyrant of a man isn't he that's yes. what he is when he just sits so he sits and eats his very horrible looking dinner actually yeah. but his glass of wine and he just expects his wife to clear up around him oh he thinks he's a genius he thinks he's a, he's a he thinks he's a king is yeah. and, and he an is untouchable a, he is a, an utter failure he is and the, but this is what i don't understand this is what i mean about the balance is like is it supposed to be making me really laugh and lean into the wacky comedy is it supposed to be really upsetting and you know are we supposed to feel real empathy for this woman who is is so under her husband's yes. thumb that she goes along with this this plan which really just almost destroys her family she has they have two children yeah. two sons who believe that their father is dead and so it's so the whole way through like how am i supposed to feel and when you're constantly questioning that i realized that actually it wasn't making me feel anything i was okay. waiting for an emotion of some sort which to never kick came. in yeah right. it didn't okay i i really enjoyed it I was troubled by it and uh -huh. occasionally entertained by it. Mm. And sometimes I was troubled by the fact that I was entertained by it, if, <laughs> if, if any of that yes. makes any sense. Um, he is a bully. He is a nasty piece of work. And she is manipulated horribly by him. And then at times I was wondering whether she'd allowed herself to be manipulated by him. And she did talk about the son. She also mentions her elderly parents, mm -hmm. who she's having to lie to, and his dad, who yeah. is clearly deeply upset at the loss of his son. He doesn't know he's next door the whole time. Yeah, It asked lots of questions of me as a viewer, and it also did make me laugh. Oh, good. Um, so, I, I don't, I'm sorry, I, I give this at least eight and a half out of ten. Oh, and, really? and for what it's worth, yes. my mother, 88, <laughs> said it's one of the best things she's seen in t on television. For a long, long yes. time. I just, it's not my kind of show, I don't think. Because I, it's that thing about watching something about repugnant men 
And of course, we know that they sort of eventually get their comeuppance mm. in a way. Well, actually, but, I'm not sure that John Darwin has suffered as much as no, some people might like. No, exactly. I think that's the that's the trouble. And the fact that she she kind of says in voiceover, Monica Dolan as Anne Darwin, says that they, they went away, they tried to live in a few places, John kept losing loads of money. Yeah. And I was like, how are you allowing this to happen? He's like, an idiot. He's and she, an yes. absolute fool. And uh, this is what I couldn't un- grasp, really, why she was still with him. He is so, as I said, repulsive. And I understand that, that there is a... When women are coerced or, you know, abused in some way, whether it's physically, emotionally, that it's incredibly difficult to get, to get out of that entanglement. Yeah. But it wasn't like... She was kind of trapped, I suppose, by her own making, but they were both kind of travelling the world as well. It wasn't oh, yes. like they were just in this little house. No, I mean, I, I think the character of well, Anne Darwin had questions to answer and did indeed go to prison. They, yeah. they both did, we should say. And if anyone just wants to know more, I should say that ITV and It's on the Hub, they've got a documentary about mm. the real story, which I think is called The Thief, His Wife and the Canoe, The Real Story. Right. Where if you, so if you want to see exactly what happened. And I think, I think I'm right in saying that she got a longer prison sentence than him which no. I mean not by much but she did um, I think she got six years I don't know how long he did I actually. think he, she got six years six months and he got six years three months yes The Thief His Wife and the Canoe is available on the ITV hub and um, you let us know actually what you think about it whether you're in my camp or Rihanna's um, <laughs> I, have, I suspect most people will be in yours Jane as per usual well most right thinking people will be <laughs> podcast at radiotimes.com Next up to an edition of Imagine, Miriam Margulies' Up for Grabs, which was on terrestrial telly on Monday the 25th of April at 10.40, but is now, of course, available on the BBC iPlayer. Now, I have to be honest, I don't make a point of watching Imagine, but I did and I would have watched this even if I hadn't had to watch it for this podcast, if that makes any sense. What a, what a glowing review there. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Thank you. Here's a clip. If you go down to South London today... You're in for a big surprise. Can I ask you, are you Jewish? No, I'm not. I'm Indian, but I do look Jewish. Oh, you look Jewish. This handsome Victorian street is home to one of Britain's best-loved and most provocative actresses, Miriam Margulies. I also follow you on TikTok. Well, obviously, you're somebody who likes filth, then. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, darlings. For years now, Miriam's been engaging unsuspecting passers-by from the steps outside her front door. Hey! No, do you <coughs> live here then? I live here. <laughs> I've got to learn how to talk Liverpool. It's not that easy, is it? It's not bad. It wasn't great, Miriam, to be honest, love. I mean, you had a bash, but uh, nothing special. <laughs> I mean, I should say that Miriam is brilliant at accents, but Scouse does appear to elude her. Um, OK, uh, imagine Miriam Margulies up for grabs. This is the terribly arty oh, strand that Alan Yentob delights us with. I can never remember. There seems to be an, ed- an edition on most weeks, but... Uh... I don't think I've ever caught it, if I'm perfectly honest. I mean, if Alan Yentob is fronting something, I do tend to move away. Will you, will you make a point of seeing him at the Radio Times Festival? 
be front row if he's interviewing Bob Geldof. Yeah, what a pair. Could, could be interesting, to be fair. Um, I enjoyed this because I do. I like Miriam, but what did you think? I really like Miriam. Well, she's, I do, like I said at the top, she is quite divisive. Some people don't love her shtick, I suppose, but I do find her very entertaining. So if you have ever seen her tell an anecdote on Graham Norton, you'll know that all she loves to do is shock yes. and to make well, you, you sort laugh. Of, you, you book her for a reason, yeah, don't oh, you? Oh, absolutely. And I do think there are some brilliant inspired moments there is a <laughs> the bit that really did make me laugh was when she asks Alan Yendob when he lost his virginity yeah, I found that she, a little troubling she honest. didn't actually say it in those words do you think her willingness to shock and perhaps it's a bit more than that mm. o- overshadows her talent in some ways because she is extraordinarily talented isn't she on screen, she's wonderful. Yeah. Um, she really, but she is always entertaining. She always plays those very entertaining parts. And she was, she keeps talking about how big she is in terms of the performances that she gives. Like they are quite broad and yes, over the yeah. top. And there was a really nice bit with Dame Eileen Atkins mm-hmm. where they were sort of comparing notes about their acting styles. And I think Dame Eileen was really generous about how she spoke about you always want to do what you what you can't do I, and also I love that she brought in she, she said some really rude things about Charles Dance who by the way I in, really enjoyed his cameo in this they basically get all of her famous friends together and interview them yeah I have to say Charles Dance revealed himself to a man with he's got he's got a sense of he doesn't, oh he's got a twinkle yes he, he really does yes yes he's incredibly charismatic good on you Charles <laughs> this she's a woman who doesn't suffer fools gladly with her that whole idea of growing old gracefully everything that we are told that older people are supposed to adhere to is just completely thrown out the window and we feel so kind of gratified that she is the one shouting about older people that still love talking about sex they still love it's as though uh, we just assume old people have never had sex they don't know anything about it we need more people like Miriam I think to speak out I have to say just as somebody who knows a bit about her I've interviewed her and I've I've read her book no I heard her book because she's got such she's got a beautiful voice you need to get the audio book yeah and uh, the audio book was funny and also at times frankly genuinely quite shocking yeah I did not learn anything new about her Mm. I enjoyed the chance to see her doing her Dickens stuff for example which Mm -hmm. I hadn't seen I'm not a big Dickens person but and I enjoyed that I'm not either actually no well she obviously really loves the Dickens female characters and brings them to life absolutely superbly so I enjoyed the chance to see her sort of body of work she said pompously but I didn't learn anything new about her no and I'm not sure Alan Yentob's style is to he's quite present in his programmes isn't he and I I, well let's let's just be honest about it and you either like that or or frankly we talked about that with Louis Theroux didn't we with his documentaries yeah yeah I know exactly what you mean He's a bit too present. Alan. So there's a scene there's a scene where he does a bit of cooking yeah, for he Miriam. Cooks some chicken livers. Yeah, yeah, which actually I thought was kind of quite moving in a way. Yeah, because it was about bringing her back to her childhood. Her Jewish yeah. that Jewish culture of mm. chicken liver and um what was he making? Smashed potatoes or something. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think mm. they would have called it smashed potatoes no. in the sixties. But I thought that was actually rather lovely. Yes, you're you're right. It was a nice companionable bit actually. Yes. So I shouldn't I shouldn't knock that. Um I, I just I suppose felt it would be a good opportunity to to find out more about what motivates her and why she does want to shock people so much. Yeah, he doesn't push her much, does no, he? No, not really. I'm not sure. I'm, I don't think he's the greatest interviewer, no. if, I'm, if I'm really honest. But but there is uh, there is a likability about 
particularly that bit of this yes. documentary. I, I actually really rate her documentaries, you know, where she just goes travelling in mm. a, a... And I really love those because I think she gets... She just has some astonishing encounters with mm-hmm. people. And they do. They open. The most unlikely people mm. open up to her. Mm-hmm. She's tre- she's tremendously watchable. <laughs> it's true. Uh, she, she's she just really the most is. entertaining woman. Yeah. I, but I, I, I do understand what you mean. I think some people just find her simply too much. Yeah. And there's a certain amount of sexism involved there, I suspect. But yes. there you go. Uh, so- I, I suspect people will have called her opinionated a lot in oh, her life. Yes. That's a word that's so often associated with women who like to speak their mind and yeah. never with men. No. Uh, imagine Miriam Margulies up for grabs. Uh, that's the name of this doc now on the BBC iPlayer. And if you're a fan of Miriam, you will not be disappointed. What's next, Rihanna? Well, we have got 10% coming up, as I said, the remake of the hit French comedy Call My Agent. But first, D.I. Ray is the new ITV drama starring Parmin de Nagra. And it's going to be on ITV Monday the 2nd through to Thursday the 5th of May from 9pm. And it's then obviously going to be available on the ITV hub, of course. So before we find out more about it, here's a clip followed by a chat with Parminder Nagra. So Radio Times journalist Amy Raphael asks how Parminder got to play the lead in D.I. Ray. D.I. Ray will be heading up in Manazita's murder as it's a CSH. Sorry, Mum, I'm not familiar with that term. To the river's I've got to try, try, try. It's new. We are now referring to these types of crimes as culturally specific homicides. Having them is just a big textbook. There's not enough evidence to suggest it's the brothers. If you're so sure it was them, why have they not already been arrested? Let's just say the community isn't exactly on side at the moment. I think I underestimated how much work it would successfully be being the lead of this show because I was practically nearly in every single scene. But to be given that responsibility and for Jed to kind of go, I think, in, you know, in that meeting, I remember he was just like, I think you would be a good head of department, which I was like, ooh, that's... Now you've kind of, like, made me think I've got this huge... Which I, I guess I do in some ways, having this responsibility. But talk, no one talks about it in that way. You know, when, when you were first approached, was it the character is this? What, what, what was there a... I, that was sent, you in. I think I was sent like the first couple of episodes, three okay. or four weren't quite for me. There was sort of like an outline of what three or four might be or how the story went. But, you know, initially the character was Brummy. I mean, and they made her from Leicester and they made her Punjabi. I mean, she just told me about this woman who's um, a hard time straddling her personal life with her identity within the workplace, within her personal life as a woman, you know, when she walks into the into her workplace, how she realises or thinks that she might have been hired because it's something that's culturally specific as opposed to being hired because of her merit. And I just thought that was just a really interesting concept. And, and what I loved about I, what I read, and I read the um, episodes one and two was that you weren't sort of hit over the head with it. It really sort of brought out the subtleties of how, you know, it can, that sort of um, casual racism can permeate through someone's everyday life and how sometimes you excuse those things. And I, I found myself excusing those things and not really being able to sort of articulate it, I guess, well enough. And I feel like she really did, but with the heart of who Richita is, you know, in terms of who she is in her place in this world. Partly what I loved about it, apart from the fact that it's, you know, 
tense as hell and you want to know what happens uh, you know the, w- what you were just saying about the, the the kind of the subtlety of it you know when you when 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 Dio Ray turns up at her new job and is given the wrong lanyard <laughs> you know and it's kind of you kind of almost laugh and then you're like it's a microaggression why am I laughing so it kind of catches you unawares I think which is which is really good because then it yeah. makes you think about it but without kind of having a big placard up saying this is how shit it can be to be a woman or to be Asian or to be whatever her tenacity as a person her persistence as a character I found really enjoyable to play the running around not so much <laughs> I have to tell you, it was like doing a five-hour hit workout. I was like, this is... Because you're, you're not just doing it once. They're going, OK, let's go again. And then there's a whole moment where we were in Grand Central Station in Birmingham, and I was just, like, going from the platform to platform to stairs. Going back to the... I don't know, would you call them microaggressions, you know, small daily kind mm. of racist comments and sexist comments? Is Is... is I, I don't want to compare the police force to, to acting. Was that familiar to you, that, that kind of behaviour, that kind of reaction to you? For me, it's whenever it came to also, like, whatever role I played, it was, I was suddenly in an arena of it was politicised straight away. Like, not just being able to answer a question about the character of the person. I mean, obviously, this is to do with that, so obviously that's where the questions lie. I, somebody posted an old interview. I didn't, hadn't even seen it from Bend It Like Beckham. And I was, what, I was 27 at the time. And, you know, it was like, wow, I'm, I'm getting to do a film and I'm here and I'm like, you know, it's really, it's not that often that you see, like, you know, an Indian girl playing a lead in a movie and how excited I was to do it. You know, from doing interviews, even from back in the day when I was doing Panto, so I've gone off on a bit of a tangent now, but even when I was doing, like, I went, and one of my first jobs was at Theatre Royal Stratford East, and I was just, play, in my mind, getting into the business, I was just playing this character called Rose, and I remember being asked a question, that what was it like playing a blonde-haired, blue-eyed part? And I was like, wow, I hadn't even thought about it like that. Like, I was just playing Princess Rose, you know, I hadn't thought, oh, I'm an Indian girl. And it's as... As the years have gone on, we're 20 plus years of having been in the business and and being told all oh, they're either considering all ethnicities or they're not considering that ethnicity or, you know, it's like having to say to even my reps, like, why can't I be considered or you're now going to have to think outside the box and maybe suggest me for something that isn't so, I'm not asking to be part of I don't know. I was about to say period, but now we've got Bridgerton. So, like, you know, um, period piece. So, you know, that's like we're in a whole different arena now. I, I you know, I, I would just find even down to like picking names for projects or, you know, clothing that you would wear or accents that you would put on when you would say, you know, I, you know, does this person have to have an accent, you know? And explaining to, you know, one of my actor friends who's not Indian saying, you know, you putting on an Indian accent is probably the same as me putting an Indian accent. I'm not from India. In fact, people there are probably going to go, what region is she from? Yeah. You know, so it's sort of having to find myself fighting those corners, just even down to like, you know, I did a job recently and they brought out like a whole bunch of like massive Indian jewellery. And I'm like going, what? She's a modern day She's a, she's a modern day woman, but these are the conversations that, you know, I end up having yeah, to have, you yeah, know. Yeah. And I go, she's a modern American woman. Why would, why 
wouldn't she just be like anybody else in her 40s? Why are we... I think when people look at me, they can see I'm Indian. Parminder Nagra, an interesting conversation there with Amy Raphael of the Radio Times. Um, First of all, what did you think about, Rihanna, what did you think about what Parminder just said at the end there? Indian jewellery is very, very gold. Yeah. I would only wear Indian jewellery if I'm going to an event where I'm wearing a Punjabi dress, like a salva kameez or a lenga. So women in my family, I'm just trying to remember if they, if I see them necessarily wearing everyday jewellery. Yeah, they don't. They don't really. No, it was just the, the assumption that yeah. she naturally would wear loads of this stuff as she goes about her everyday business. You wouldn't. You'd wear it to no. a wedding. No, but it's also, I, I thought the point she made about Bridgerton, it, the whole period stuff has now been it's turned now on its head. up, yeah, yeah which, which is, is really good. exciting. Yeah. It's brilliant. I don't know how you feel about this. Every time we have um, people who... We've had a lot of South Asian guests on the show in the last few months, which has been really lovely. And we always end up talking about their ethnicity... And in, we shouldn't really, should we? Well, this show is all about her ethnicity. Well, that's the, and that's the problem when she says... I was thinking then when she talked about the whole issues around her casting. Yes. Um, in this role, the whole point of her is that there are misconceptions about her yes. from lots of other characters. Yes. So anyway, just explain what actually happens in D.I. Ray. So in this, so, she's, so she is brought in because this team in Serious Crime think that they what they have on their hands, the stabbing, is... a culturally specific homicide. Yeah, what used to be called a horrible term, so-called, we now say, honour killing. Basically, one of her bosses says to her at one point, you're exactly what we need right now. What's your ethnicity? Where are you from? Yeah. Uh, oh, I'm from Leicester or whatever. Yeah, she's from Leicester. And then, She's now working in Birmingham. And, yeah, and then he's just like, and what's your ethnicity? And so it's you know immediately it's all about ticking boxes. For and she begins to realise why she's been put there too. Yes. There are some neat lines here about actually about about all that. I mean, the, what's the one about languages where she's asked what languages she speaks? She's got a C in GCSE Spanish. Yeah. There's a point where she gets called a coconut, which I have been called as well. So that just means that mean? white on the inside, brown on the outside. Right. And again, that's and it's kind of going back to what we were talking about with Tan France last week about colorism. Um, it's like within your own community there are all of these assumptions about. About what you are and if you are seen to be whiter because you're because of these you know the, our generations have been brought up in the UK we there are we do have different ideals and different languages etc so I do think it was a really smart idea to write about that because mm. it is it does seem to be at the forefront of institutions at the moment yeah. it's about what we're being seen to be doing rather than what we're actually doing what they're actually doing is just trying to pin this on on people who are Indian instead of actually trying to look for the real killers. So, yeah, I do. I did, I did quite enjoy it. There's a bit, Maya Sondi sort of says in an interview, I think in the Radio Times, she says, my strength is dialogue, but I'm not really too good with story, <laughs> which is a bit worrying for a creator and a writer of a TV yeah, show. But, you know, you just said, I quite enjoyed it. I think it was, that was what you said. Yeah. That was sort of where I was. Yeah. I, I also quite, quite enjoyed, enjoyed it. it. Um, am I? That's not quite enough for a first episode. No, I sort of. I was a bit disappointed that it didn't have a. Di- it wasn't going to have a different storyline in every episode. Yeah, I wanted to like this because I think it's a clever idea, mm. and I I admire what they're trying to do. And I think Parminda, you know, is is definitely worthy of of headlining a series on terrestrial television mm-hmm. in Britain. But I mean, more than worthy, probably overqualified in lots of ways. But I just didn't think. This I can't say I'm 
gagging to find out what, what happens. happens next. I know that's the trouble. I don't know if it is. I got swept up in it because it's a essentially it's a murder mystery, and that you know you're left with cliffhangers each time. Mm. But I don't know if the cliffhangers will be enough to keep me watching. That's the trouble. Well, of course, this is being shown stripped across a good part of the week, beginning the 2nd of May. So I guess if you're going to watch it like that, you might well be drawn in, to be fair. Maybe. Although I always find that a little bit odd, don't you? Of just sort of the idea of staying in for a week and not going out a single night because you're too busy watching this show. I think that's... <laughs> a lot of people don't have your dizzy social life, Rihanna. <laughs> so it's perfectly acceptable to stay in. I tell you what, her love interest in this is played by Jamie Bamber, who yeah. is from Battlestar Galactica and who I named one of my rabbits after because I love him so much. So I was... I mean, maybe I'll watch it. <laughs> maybe I'll keep watching for Jamie Bamber oh, and come into Nagra's relationship. You deliver every single time. <laughs> Podcast at radiotimes.com. If you enjoy DIRA, do let us know and tell us why you love it. Finally, to something that I think has been much anticipated, a British version of the Netflix French hit Call My Agent. It's 10% and available on Amazon Prime tomorrow. That's the 28th of April. Um, the original Call My Agent was, Rihanna, about what? It is all set in a talent agency and it's about these famous people coming in and out of this talent agency and... I guess the agent's getting into all sorts of scrapes and awkward conversations and mishaps, generally. Let's hear a clip from what is 10% in the UK. I've got Jessica Oyelowo here in reception. What? Right, OK. What am I going to do? Does she know you're here? Of course not. I told her I was at Channel 4. It's OK. I will deal with it. Obviously, this is a talent agency. Hello, Nightingale Heart. You never know who's going to show up unannounced. I've got Helena Bonham Carter here in reception. I'd like to say hello to my favourite client. Why, what happened to Jude Law die? It's obvious we've clearly both been offered the same part, somehow. It's not the first time. No. Really? You'd be surprised. The thing about this show, and I only ever yes, watched Jane. a couple of episodes <laughs> of Call My Agent. Yeah. Um, and I didn't find it that funny. Mm. And why would anyone care about what happens at a talent agency? Because people love celebrity. People love cameos as well. This is all about cameos and celebrities. Yeah, tell me about the appeal of cameos. Well, Mike and I always have this conversation. Mike's her fiancé, yeah. by the way, can you join us? Go on. <laughs> he hates cameos. He thinks they're really ch a really cheap way of getting a sort of moment of popularity. There's a film out at the moment called The Lost City with um, Sandra Bullock oh, and yeah. Channing Tatum. Yes. And there is quite a fun cameo in that. The, the difference is that this actor is not playing himself but it's uh, he only has a very brief part but it's very fun Define cameo so it's cameo the definition of that is a fleeting appearance by someone who's too well known to be in a minor part is that it? <laughs> I think essentially so the agency in the show is called Nightingale Heart Nightingale Heart and the big boss has sadly passed away so the big boss is played by Jim Broadbent yeah and uh, he's in the whole of episode one which is fun. He's very, like, the sort of avuncular character. His actual son is... Jack Davenport. Jack, played by Jack Davenport, who is primed to take over the agency. And, yeah, he passes away at the end of episode one. So suddenly this whole agency is in uproar and flux. And he, Jack Davenport is not nearly as loved as his father was. Yeah. And so suddenly you have all of these actors... Get it coming out of the woodwork, yes. a bit confused about what's going on. Are they going to be represented well? Poor old Kelly McDonald is in the first episode and has a 
storyline about her possibly being too old to play a lead role in a Marvel-esque film. Right. They never say Marvel, but it's Marvel-esque. Yes, we know what they mean. Bird yeah. Woman, I think it's called. Right. Um, so I, th- I do think there are kind of flashes of brilliance, especially if you know a bit about the film and TV industry. And that, that's my point. Why are so many TV shows made about TV? And I mean, it's also, I don't like films about Hollywood. Oh, I love films about Hollywood. Well, I'm just not interested. I think they're fascinating. Well, I don't. <laughs> um, I, I really, I genuinely don't, actually. And I, I, I get the impression that we're meant to really love everybody and find them completely fascinating. Well, you know, make a programme about what goes on at a vet's or a dentist's or a, or the li- a day in the life no of a geography one teacher. No wants to see what well, goes on in the life of a dentist. Well, it's a load of... Spit, saliva, and okay. well, a maybe bit of blood. that was maybe that was a, ba- a bad example. <laughs> um, in episode two, um, the, this, the cameos, as I now know to call them, are <laughs> Olivia Williams and Helena Bonham Carter, and the sort of running gag is that they are always being offered the same roles. Now, I don't know whether that's true, and frankly, I'm just I'm not interested. Am I supposed to find that funny? Is my question. I, I mean, I didn't write this, no, so no, no, I no. Don't... just trying to pin you down. <laughs> I don't know if those are supposed to be just funny, laugh out loud funny or quirky. They're not laugh out loud, I'm well, telling you that. No, they're not. I think there might be in... Yeah, I don't I don't think episode two is particularly strong and I wonder if it's because it's trying to stay as close to Call My Agent as possible. This isn't a... This is almost like in some places a shot-for-shot shot remake, which I think okay. is a bit of a shame. Right. I think actually perhaps the idea is a really fun one and you could have had done some really interesting novel things with it but by doing it so closely to the original people who watched Call My Agent are going to be really keen to watch this and then they'll be quite disappointed that they know the story they've seen it before why not try and do something else um, with the same idea behind it I think that would have been a much stronger proposition it's written by the guy who did W1A and yeah so I was interested in that does that mean 2012 yeah and I love those shows but then Don Morton his name is right yes and I think I'm sure I've yeah, I've interviewed him. And I, I W1A I loved because I've worked at the BBC. So that did ring true for me. So actually, I'm, as I often do... Talking out of your... Contradicting myself. <laughs> Talking out, how dare you. Um, I, I can change my mind. Um, and that very staccato thing that I associate no, with yes, W1A. No, yes, absolutely. No, yes. Well, Perfect. All of that. That's very much in evidence here. It is. And you know what? It's so in evidence. It's, it's literally like they've put, they've taken the cast, even though it's not the exact cast, but they've taken the cast of W1A and just plucked them into a talent agency. Now it just feels a bit overdone because we've seen it a lot. Yeah. Well, I wonder whether Call My Agent fans will gather en masse to what? A bit of French there. Did you get it? Very good. Uh, to watch 10%. It like, will be interesting. Prasanna Puana Raja is brilliant. He plays one of the agents, doesn't he? He plays one of the agents. There's also Hiftu Kasim, who is the estranged daughter of Jack Davenport's character, um, who comes into it. And again, she's she's got like some real drive. She's very good at her job. I do. I always like watching people be competent and do things well. <laughs> I don't think this is amazing. I don't think it is brilliantly written, but. I would happily watch it because it's very easy and because I will know every single one of the actors. Dominic West pops up. Oh, does he? Yes. Okay. Phoebe Dinover from Bridgerton pops yeah. up. So I, do, I think they, there will be some funnier storylines right, so, down the yeah. line when perhaps it finds its own rhythm. Star spotters are not going to be disappointed no. by 10%, even if I was a little nonplussed. 
OK, um, the quiz this week, we're not going to have the fanfare because the guy, he is so strict with his hours, he's just gone home. Um, but we can just introduce it, you know, with, with enthusiasm, which is essentially what I'm doing now. Uh, I'm thrilled because it's my opportunity. I love that you have to point out when you're being enthusiastic. This is it. This is as good well, as it gets. At my age, we've well, just got to be really careful. <laughs> it's your turn to guess the year this week, aided and abetted by some television clues, OK? I hate, I hate this. Big Brother Series 8 ran, eight? Yes, ran in this year. Davina McCall was once again the presenter of the hit show and a man called Brian Bellow won this series. You yeah, must remember Brian. I do. Here's a clip in the interview with Davina just after he's discovered that he is the winner of this series of Big Brother. Welcome back to Big Brother and welcome to our winner, Brian! Do you know? Do you know what's lovely? He was just sat here going, "This is the best day of my life. I love this show." And you. Well, the best show on TV. All the shows there to watch, no other. That was Brian Bello, sounding chuffed to have won that series of Big Brother. And he's still in the business, does a bit of writing and uh, has worked with Harry Hill. So still very much with us. Uh, <laughs> Louise Redknapp in this year presented a very controversial sounding ITV documentary called The Truth About Size Zero. Uh, this sounds bizarre. She attempted to drop to a size zero in 30 days by following a strict weight loss regime. In what order... size was she before? I don't know. She's not, I don't know. In order... tiny anyway. It says here, in order to highlight eating disorder issues. I'm amazed that got commissioned. Uh, I would like to think it wouldn't happen now. Uh, here's a God. clip from the beginning of that documentary. Louise Redknapp, pop star, TV presenter, wife, mother. She's a gorgeous size eight. Perfect. Or maybe not. Today's world of celebrity, glamour and success has become obsessed by size zero, a UK size four. Can this woman really be two sizes too big? I hope to have a daughter one day and I really feel strongly that I want my daughter to grow up in a world, in a society where she can be whatever size she wants to be. And what would Louise have to go through to shrink to a size zero? Yes, um, I that just seems a weird... I, I just can't believe that was put out, but it was. Uh, so there we are. Unreal. And the final clue for you, a rugby player, Kieran Bracken, and his skating partner, Melanie Lambert, won the second series of Dancing on Ice in this year. Oh, goodness. You love Dancing on Ice. Here's a clip of Kieran's voiceover just before the final. The best technical skater we have in this competition. Wow. It's been a remarkable journey for me, something I've, uh, I've loved doing. My skating partnership with Melanie, I would say, has blossomed. She can do everything, really, so I think I've got the best female professional skater. OK, so Davina McCall talking to Brian Bello. We've got Louise That's Redknapp. That's the most helpful clue. because dodgy sounding show. And then we've got Kieran Bracken. So the year. And there are no other clues? There are a few more news clues for you. Are you oh, ready? no. Uh, a smoking ban came into effect in all enclosed public spaces in England. Oh, really? In this year. OK. And I don't think this is going to help. Um, Prince William opened Wembley Stadium, the new one. Mm. And films that came out, this might help. Yeah. Juno. Persuasion, yep. St Trinian's and Atonement. Persuasion. Oh, there's a new Persuasion coming out. Yeah, I know. So Anne Elliott is being played by Dakota Johnson, which I find absolutely wild because she's American. <laughs> and uh, I'll, I'm writing a stiff letter of complaint. <laughs> 
Captain Wentworth is Cosmo Jarvis, who is a really interesting choice. He was in Lady Macbeth and he was also in Calm with Horses. He he can be very stoic. I think he I that's an I'm 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 You're entertained by I that am. Prospect. Do you know I what? I'm, I think this might be this that could work. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Anyway, sorry, going off track here. So I think this has got to be around the sort of 2006, 2007 mark. I'm going to say 2007. And you are right. <gasps> oh, my God! What oh, my God. week for Rihanna Dillon. Literal confetti. Brilliant. Um, thank you. you the team keep... is thrilled. I hope you've all been playing along at home. <laughs> now, I should say the Radio Times is out. And on the cover, we've got a really stellar lineup of Downton stars because Downton the movie is coming out. It's the second Downton film, isn't it? And yes. by the time you get to hear this, Rihanna and I would have seen the film. We're going together. We're going on a date night. Oh, wait. Uh, so on the cover, uh, we've got. <laughs> that was real enthusiasm there, yeah, and just it's... a sign signpost. Yeah, I think exactly that was. Uh, Michelle Dockery and Maggie Smith and Hugh Dancy who I always want to call Hugh Fancy. Hugh Fancy Dancy. I really like that. Or on the he cover it. of this week's Radio Times. So As dig in. With a reminder about the BFI and Radio Times Festival, book your tickets now. Yeah, it's going to be good. It's across the 20th to the 22nd of May. And if there's a big name in telly, I can pretty much guarantee they're going to be there. And Rihanna will be there as well. <laughs> On Sunday. I was waiting for that. Oh, yes, so cruel. So obvious. Um, you can subscribe by visiting buysubscriptions.com forward slash Radio Times. That way you'll be guaranteed to get an edition of the magazine every week. And if you want a list of the programmes we've discussed today and where to find them, go to the episode notes wherever you get your podcast. And do follow to get episodes as soon as they come out. And please tell all your mates, discerning TV viewers and other people you know, that this is the best television podcast around. And if you want more, don't forget Smart TV, which is the weekly bite-sized podcast, which brings you the best of what to watch in 10 minutes. It's hosted by the Radio Times TV expert, David Brainbox Butcher. Smart TV. That's why they've called the podcast that. Uh, this Radio Times podcast is produced by... Something else. And it's for... Immediate Media. Now take care. Have a good week. Bye. Bye. 